Welcome to the Coach House Beacons. Hello everybody, it's Jamie again. Welcome to this Coach House Beacon, titled, Where Are You? Gani Araru, translated that is, Grandma, where are you? As a youngster, I spent a lot of time with my grandma and granddad Clark. That's my mum's mum and dad. These were two fantastic champions of Jesus and incredibly committed to helping others. And you know what? My granddad used to preach in churches all over the place and he was dearly loved. This week has been a very sad time for us and some of our dearest of friends. In a complete shock and without any warning, we lost Auntie Linda. Auntie Linda wasn't a real auntie to me, but might as well have been. She was my mum's longest and closest of friends. She was the most incredible wife, mother, grandmother, mother-in-law and friend to all who met her. Our families holidayed together, fed pigs together. She even got stuck in a field with my mum. A story I'll tell shortly. She will be missed more than I, we, any of us can probably ever express. Even though it hurts to talk about, I feel led to discuss our loved ones we are missing. Where are you? Gani, Araru, the phrase I started with. This was something I used to shout up the stairs when entering my grandma and granddad's house. I was desperate, desperate to know where she was, desperate to know I would see her again. Now usually she'd be in the kitchen baking, or at least getting ready to bake, or in the garden caring for her flowers. But the voice would always come back, Here I am, the voice of my grandma, and then peace. I knew I'd be seeing her, I knew she was there, I knew even looking at the mountain that was the staircase, I would see her. The story of my mum and Auntie Linda stuck in a field, well, in the Baker and Jones family, is legendary. Let me paint the picture. The two families had gone away and stayed at a working farm in Devon for a holiday. We used to walk down to the local beach by walking through the farmer's fields, of course, the way the farmer had told us. And one day, en route to the beach, my best mate and I decided to walk on ahead, jumping over a fence and walking around the outskirts of a field. Everyone else followed. We then noticed, in the distance really, that a large quantity of cows had taken an interest in us and were starting to follow us. So, as all boys do, we ran back to the rest of the family, only to find that the mums had just managed to get over the fence. We hopped back over, leaving mum and Auntie Linda stuck with a large amount of snorting cows breathing down their necks. It was hysterically funny. The ones who were safe were urging the others over the fence to safety. It's a story that will always be dear to our hearts because it was just ridiculous. But I think I want to take a moment and just see the comparison of this with our spiritual journeys and also that of our loved ones. You see, when we see the light and follow Jesus, it's like being Andrew, that was my best mate, Auntie Linda's son, and I. We were in the darkness being chased by things that weren't good for us, a hundred or so Frisians as it turned out. And as we saw the safety of the other side of the fence, we jumped, leaping for safety and landed in the safety of Jesus' arms. But when we jumped, 
In the briefest of moments, we did not stop to think of our mums. Thankfully, our mums did make it across as our dads helped them, after a serious amount of giggling and also apprehension from the mums. But what about now? What about helping our friends and families cross the spiritual fence and come onto the side that brings freedom? We need to trust that God has everything in control. But that doesn't and shouldn't stop us from showing what God has done for us and it doesn't and shouldn't stop us showing them the difference between each side of the fence. We, as Christians, are jars. In 2 Corinthians in the Bible it says we are jars of clay. Not many of us have paid attention to the fact that we are vessels of God. God is within us, but it's not a sealed jar where nothing can escape. It has a top that is open, so we can share him, tell people about him, love him to others. Yes, that can make our lives harder, as we need to strive to be more like Jesus day in and day out. We are somehow under the microscope as our actions are judged daily. But brothers and sisters, let me tell you, Take this as an opportunity to shine, to help bring God's light into the world. We need to be light to our families and friends. Jesus gave everything to his friends, his knowledge of God and his own life. Jesus is our model for friendship because he loved without limits and he makes it possible for us to live a life of friendship because we have been transformed by everything he shared with us. A verse in the Bible reads like this. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Now sometimes we can read this as, love another Christian as I have loved you. And I don't believe that this is saying that. I think it's saying love one another, whoever the other is, sinner or slightly less sinner. Black, white, tall, short, male, female, young, old. Love. One of the most common verbs for love in Greek is philio. The Greek word for friend is philos, and it comes from this verb. In the New Testament, a friend is immediately understood as one who loves. This fundamental connection between love and friendship is an essential starting point for reclaiming friendship as a resource for faith as contemporary Christians. Friendship was an important topic in the Greek and Roman cultures in which the early church took shape and the New Testament documents were written. Where are you? Let's get back to that question as we come into port. Where are you? It's a double-sided question. On one hand... Are you on the journey having given your life to Christ? If so, share it. Share the love. Help the person over the fence. Show them Jesus in the way you act, the way you speak, the way you love. On the other hand, are you still waiting? Still stuck in the field with the snorting behind you and still haven't asked for help? Asked for God to come into your life and set you free? If this is you, whether you believe it or not, God created you. In Psalm 139 verse 13 it says, For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. You are the work of his hands, his own creation, and nothing you or me or anyone else can do can change the fact of his love for you. 
The ultimate demonstration and proof of God's love for you is the death of Jesus on the cross over 2,000 years ago. God has done his part. Jesus gave his own life as a punishment for our sin. We didn't deserve it. It wasn't fair, but that's how much God loves you. But now you have to decide if you want to accept this gift, this free gift of forgiveness, this promise of eternal life. If you want to be free from the punishment you brought on yourself, you need to decide to surrender to God and to do things his way from now on, to get over that fence. So where are you? Well, I can tell you, my Auntie Linda, my grandma, my granddad, and many more fellow believers, I know they're on their way to heaven. They gave their life to Christ and he saved them. I'm going to finish today by adding just one simple word to the sentence I've said a lot. Where are you going? Coach House Beacons, the Coach House Church Daily Devotional. To find out more, join us on Facebook, Instagram, or on our website at www.coachhousechurch.org.